Amen. You can be seated this morning. This morning we have several things that we want to try to get through. And um, the Bible talks a lot about honoring. Um, all throughout Scripture, God, uh, we're encouraged to honor God, of course. Um, in Exodus chapter 20, verses 12, and then again in Ephesians 6, we're taught to honor our parents, right? Father and mother, to honor in Romans chapter 12, verses 10, we're encouraged to honor one another even among, uh, above ourselves. And so look around. We're, the people you're sitting with, the people that we're here with today, we're to honor each other uh, more than we would honor ourselves. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, listen to what it says. It says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of a double honor. A double honor. So not only are we supposed to honor God, we're supposed to be honoring our parents, our family. We're supposed to honor one another. But then when it comes to those that are directing the affairs of the church, and we call those our board members here at the Gateway Church, we are to give a double honor. And this morning, we've set aside some time to do that. And uh, I want to invite the board members and their wives to come and uh, to join me up on the stage. And uh, we have uh, a couple individuals that have, uh, that have planned to uh, share a word of thanks, a word of appreciation, all right? So Dave and Pam, come on up. And uh, Joe and Amy, uh, Joe, you got to get Amy. You, uh, don't let, don't come up by yourself. Uh, Rick and Katrinka, here. Let's have you guys come up on the stage, all right? Because the lights are kind of uh, this way, at least for now. Uh, Carl and Carol, and then uh, some of you guys know uh, Dennis and Mary Hardy. Uh, they're on the other side of the state today, um, so they're not with us. Um, so we've got. All right, we're just waiting for Joe and Amy. And when they come in, we'll make sure we give them a nice round of applause, all right? Amy was just up here worshiping. She's probably getting, grabbing a, a drink. This morning, I want you guys to know, well, we, we should wait for Joe. We want, we want to make sure. Uh, they're coming. They got to be coming. They just went out to get them. All right. We have got uh, an opportunity uh, to share our love with you guys. And uh, this is an important time. For us as a body to do this. And uh, you guys serve so faithfully and uh, just uh, wonderful uh, men and women of God. Your families are represented. Here they are. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. You guys are looking at the cream of the crop here. Uh, families that love the Lord and uh, are just passionate about Jesus and passionate about what God wants to do in our community and uh, through us as a church. And uh, this morning, I've asked uh, an individual or two to come and share a word of appreciation. Now, if we took time, when we look out over this uh, sanctuary, you guys have touched many, many folks. But this is just a small cross-section of what God has done through your lives. And I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come first and so he can get back with the kids. Um, and uh, you wanted to share 
a word of thanks for Joe and Amy. Um, I just wanted to uh, just express my just thanks for you guys and just all the ministry you guys have done. And um, those of you who may not know, uh, Joe and Amy have um, been a huge help uh, in our kids ministry and our nursery. And uh, they've had, uh, you know, take a little step back, you know, with uh, some of the work things and things going on from that. But we look forward to you guys plugging in again, you know, when things slow down enough for you. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, Joe uh, and Amy have such an incredible heart for our kids. Uh, they have a huge heart for, for ministry. And uh, I remember when I just came and, and was interviewing, I mean, Joe just grilling me, um, you know, wanting wanting to make sure that we're, he was bringing in someone that shared, you know, his heart and passion for kids' ministry. I hope I, I think I passed the test. But, um, <laughs> but I just appreciated that. You know, that spoke volumes to me. I just appreciate both of you and Amy, all the work you do in the helping out with the office once in a while and singing on the worship team. And you may not know, but Amy has a wonderful gift uh, of dance and she's done some different ministry things and use those gifts and things. I just want to say thank you guys for Absolutely. serving, using your gifts, using your passion, being available to the Lord. And I really believe you've made an eternal impact uh, in this church and for, and for these families. So Amen. Amen. Yes, very good. Yeah. This is Penny, Penny Kruger. Uh, come on up, Penny. And uh, Penny, you have uh, wanted to share uh, a word of appreciation for Carl and Carol. And I'm going to let you do that at this point. All right? <laughs> when my daughters and I moved home from Illinois, we didn't have jobs or much money to start again. The church has always was there to help with the blessings that they gave. But they sent Carol and Carol. Carl took the truck, which I had in storage, and returned and repaired it so I could return the car and the payment that I was driving. They picked me up more than once and took me to Bible study on Wednesdays, and we talked of God's blessings and the hardships of waiting for God's time instead of things happening on our schedule. They've always said words of encouragement when I've seen them, showing the way at times when I faltered, and I have been blessed by knowing them. And I want you to know that the truck has a garage now. It's very happy, and good. so am I. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Thanks. Sure. Jim Helmka's coming, uh, wants to share a word of appreciation for Rick and Katrinka. And while he's coming, what uh, Penny was just saying Carl and Carol are just an incredible blessing. Many of you don't know, but they give of their time uh, on a weekly basis. They're in the office and around fixing things and doing things, and it's wonderful. So, I just, I was just pointing at you. Yeah, I was pointing at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is uh, for Rick and Katrinka. Yeah. Good because I practice for Rick and Katrinka. Good. <laughs> um, I just want to say thanks to, to Rick and Katrinka because I've known them for a few years, been able to play ball with Rick and. And yeah. I think back to some of the things that you guys had an impact in our lives. Sure. Um, last year when we had, I don't know how many family members die within a five-week period, Christine was extremely touched by uh, Katrinka's outreach and yeah. uh, the, the uh, emails that she sent. And they really touched her. And so I just want to say that in you guys, I see a real heart for the people, and not just the growth of the church and some of the things that I know you do as as board members, but making sure that the people are loved and making sure that there is a uh, a connection deeper than just 
walking in and out of the service. Yeah. And so I, I see what you guys do in the office. I see what you do late hours. I see what you do when you come home at 1 in the morning because of a late board meeting and, and you still have to run your business the next day. When I become a man, I want to be a man like you. And that's my goal, is to look at people who are doing it day in and day out for God. And that's what I want to be when I, when I get the chance to grow up. And I'm still an <laughs> immature little man, but, but I do. I really do. So thank you guys so much for your service. Okay? It's noticed. We see it. Yeah. And your ward we know is in heaven, but I don't know how you give a double portion. How do you double double? Appreciation. I don't know how you do that, Double but hug. <laughs> from from my heart, guys. Thank you, guys, for every yeah. little detail that that you guys do. Really yeah. appreciate it. Good. Thanks, Jim. Awesome. Yeah. And Jason, we'll uh, we'll stand over here. These are some good friends here at, down at the end. There you go. Just about right. Dave and Pam, why don't you share a word of appreciation? Yeah. All right. I just want to say, um, sorry, my wife couldn't be here. She's at work. But uh, we both. Really appreciate you guys. You guys have looked out for us. You guys have helped us in uh, ways that no other person has. I mean, you've looked out for our finances. You have brought light to our finances. You allowed us to see that there's more than just desires and wants, but there's goals and purpose to uh, reach others. And you guys have shown us that. I do have a, a little verse here. Let me hold that. It says, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21. Have two goals, wisdom that is knowing and doing right, and common sense. Don't let them slip away. That's good. I see such wisdom in you guys. Mm -hmm. Common sense. I mean, you guys raised kids that are just amazing in our lives, you know, and uh, we do really love you guys, we thank you guys for everything you've done for us, and uh, I say behind every great man is even a better woman. <laughs> All right, very good. Yeah. <laughs> In just a minute, we're going to have a chance to come and to greet each and every one of these uh, great families, these great couples. Um, and, but before we do that, we want to uh, present them with a, uh, a token of our appreciation from the church. And uh, go ahead and open these up, guys. And uh, Joe, I'm hoping you know what this is, all right, and they know how to use it. And, uh, but uh, if not, I can, we, can, we can share you. But, uh, but uh, just take a second. <laughs> No, you, you got it, man. You got it. We got him a nice uh, pen uh, engraved the Gateway Church uh, just to uh, remember us by in their businesses and uh, at home and when they write out checks and things like that. <laughs> That's right. You got it. You already got a spot for it. All right. Way to go. Way to go. Way to go. Well, from the bottom of my heart, Joe and Amy, Carl and Carol, Rick and Katrinka, 
Pam, Dave, and of course, uh, Dennis and Mary as well. Uh, we had some time on, on Thursday night to share. And, uh, and I, I hope you feel uh, a heartfelt uh, uh, love and appreciation from, from me and Jessica, of course, but then from this body. You guys have an incredible responsibility, an incredible weight upon your shoulders. Um, the Bible teaches that those that are directing the affairs of the church are worthy of a double honor, like we're saying, but they're also held to a, a higher accountability. And, uh, and I can say to each one of these families that they're doing a great job. They hold a high standard in their lives. And these are people of integrity and uh, easy to love, easy to appreciate. And this morning, I want to say a prayer uh, for each and every one of you. And, uh, and then as soon as we're done with that, uh, we're going to stand and we're going to, uh, to come and just to, to greet. And we can kind of move down at that point. Uh, but take a moment just to turn and greet one another. But, uh, but let's, let's pray. And I want you just to stretch your hand out towards each of these couples as we, as we pray for them. Father, we thank you so much for all that you're doing, Lord, through these families. And God, I pray for Joe and Amy. Lord, I pray that you bless them, God. Lord, be with Carl and Carol, Lord, as they continue to serve. God, bless Rick and Katrinka, God. Uh, just use them mightily. And Lord, we thank you for Dave and Pam, God, as well. Lord, they are examples to us of how to live uh, a godly example. And Lord, I just pray that you would give them a double portion, a double portion of wisdom, a double portion of blessing and favor. Lord, whatever they would touch, wherever they would go, God, I pray that you would just pour into their laps great, great things. And Lord, I pray as they serve alongside me, God, I pray, God, that we would together be able to make an impact in this community. God, that we would be a healthy, multiplying body of believers, growing for your glory, for your honor. And God, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray all these things. And all God's people said together, amen, amen, amen. We love you guys. Why don't we stand and let's take a moment and uh, Clayton, you can... Uh, play a song and let's get out of our seats and come and let's greet each of these couples, okay? Alright. On earth as it is in heaven. They say we're all in the pursuit of happiness. So we fight for what's ours like an activist. The struggles here.
It's time for healing, time to move on. It's time to fix what's been broken too long. Time to make right what has been wrong. It's time to find my way to where I belong. There's a wave that's crashing over me, and all I can do is surrender whatever you're doing inside of me. It feels like chaos, but somehow there's peace, and it's hard to surrender to what I can't see. All right. All right, let's give our board members one more hand. All right, yeah. And if you have not taken a chance to write them a note of appreciation or thanks, I want to encourage you to do so and, uh, and, and just be a blessing to them. Let them know how much we care for them. Well, we want to welcome you uh, and thank you for being here at the Gateway Church today. Um, just looking uh, real quick, uh, wondering, are there any first-time guests uh, that, I, that I may have missed? I don't think I noticed any, uh, just looking across the way. Actually, there's a young man in the back, uh, and uh, maybe we can get some information from him. But uh, we just want to say thanks for being here. We got some uh, friends back from last week, and uh, that's wonderful. Oh, we do have some first-time guests. Yeah, right over here. There's an information card we'd love for you guys to fill out. And, uh, and no pressure. In just a moment, we're going to take the offering. If you wouldn't mind filling that out, that would be really helpful. Um, this morning, we, in our bulletins, we have several things that are, uh, that are important. We want to make sure that, that you're reading and going through. Um, this Tuesday, if you're uh, going to eat out, we're going to ask that you'd eat out at Applebee's in Grand Haven. And, uh, and if you do, take this flyer with you, and 15% of your entire bill will come back to the church uh, for camp scholarships, and uh, that'll be uh, important. Um, we've got a couple uh, things coming up as a, as a body of believers that are really important that we want to make sure you're aware of. The first is that we have a water baptism service planned in a couple weeks, June 6th. It's the same day we're going to do our connection lunch where we uh, clear out the sanctuary and stay for lunch right after church, and uh, we'll look forward to that. We're doing hot dogs and hamburgers, and depending on the weather, we may eat outside, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but we want to make sure that if you have not been water baptized, um, that you uh, come and talk to us, and, uh, and we want to make sure that you understand what that is. It's an important step of, of uh, following the Lord uh, in some obedience uh, as far as once you give your heart to the Lord. The Bible says be saved and then be baptized, and we want to make sure um, that, that you're aware of that. Another thing, there's some college and career things that are, that are important. If that's uh, in your age uh, bracket uh, and that interests you, we want to make sure you're aware of those. We also have an all-church cookout, the first of three through the summer on June 13th. 5 o'clock, we're the first one we're beating at the McNeil's house, and uh, that'll be a, a lot of fun. And then uh, Jim Helmka, uh, who mentioned uh, uh, thank you for Rick and Katrinka, also wants to make everyone aware that our, uh, if you're participating in the golf outing, your money is due, and we want to make sure you get that in. And uh, then the last thing is in your bulletin, we have some information about our Flint outreach, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the service as well. All right. Ushers, if you'd come at this time as we prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. 
Um, you'll see these posters up um, around the church for the next few weeks. It's a, uh, talking about unity, uh, the Unity Festival um, that comes up in August, August 12th, 13th, and 14th. There's a free day on the 11th, uh, day zero. But if you're interested in uh, for the next couple of weeks, you can get tickets at the best rate uh, across the board, 10 bucks um, for a day pass, which is a steal. Um, for a three-day pass, $30. And then kids are free, five and under. Um, the extreme games are free. Kids' activities are free. Uh, if you have any more information that you're needing, uh, you can talk to Rick and Katrinka Ebeling for that, and uh, that will be wonderful. Let's uh, pray and ask God to bless as we give back to the Lord this morning, okay? Father, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give, to be a blessing. Uh, Lord, we know that your word says to give, and it will be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And with the measure that we give, it'll be, we will receive. And Lord, we, we just stand on your word today. And Lord, I thank you for the generosity of each person, uh, Lord, to, to give and to be faithful. Lord, I thank you for providing in a supernatural way this year uh, at the Gateway Church through your people. And God, I just pray that you'll pour back into their lives. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that right now, God, as we give together, God, that you um, would just multiply each gift and uh, bring it back to them in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you as you give. Well, we're in the village of Lorala, which is a, a village of uh, 8,000. I am uh, over evangelism and uh, church planting. put up about 25 tabernacles throughout the country, and so we're seeing great things happen here. Emerging from the arid, dusty villages of the South African country of Botswana are signs of life. Construction projects that will transform a desert landscape into a community of fervent believers. Missionary Pat Mahar wants to see churches planted all across this nation, where God is moving in extraordinary ways. Many of our churches start out with a tent uh, that we as the Missionary Field Fellowship will provide to them and then uh, we're able to get that church started and as soon as they acquire property we will take a tabernacle out to them once they've met the criteria for doing that. And so this is one of the visions that I have for Botswana to go from tent to tabernacle. In villages like Lurala, a new building not only serves as a worship center, but also creates opportunities for outreach. One of the ways that we reach the entire village, you reach a community, is through the children. And they in turn go home and they share with their parents. And many times the parents get saved and they end up coming to the church. Yeah, with this tabernacle we are intending to have a center here that maybe can teach children the Word of God, that they will allow them to have fun, interact with others, and also help us to meet their needs. As new churches are birthed and people come to Christ, a thirsty nation is receiving living water. Please pray for God's continuing favor on the church planting movement across Botswana and all of Africa.
Cool. Let's go ahead and turn on the, the other lights. We're going to need those in a minute to, to be able to read. This morning, I want to uh, dive into a message that I've kind of entitled Proven. And it's going to be the first of uh, a series, um, and today is kind of an introduction into missions. God has been stirring in my heart over the last uh, several weeks and really over the last several months um, for, in a couple different areas. For those of you that are participating on Wednesday nights, we've been studying 1 Thessalonians, which has been a really rich book to go through. And we've been studying it for, I don't know, uh, 11 weeks, I think, something like that. And as we've been going through 1 Thessalonians and to see Paul's heart for people, and uh, this last week alone we were talking about the reality of the end times and that God is going to return for his church. We'll be raptured up and we talk about the blessed hope. And uh, the question that, that we've been asking ourselves in 1 Thessalonians is, what is important to God? What's important? And when we are wrestling with this vision that God has given us uh, to be a healthy, multiplying church, known for making an impact in our, in our community and in our world, and, and we put that into the mix and saying, okay, what is important to God? And then this last week, we just honored uh, Rick Ebeling, and uh, what a blessing he is. He was sharing with me, we were talking about some finances as he serves as our treasurer, but he said, hey, pastor, I got something else that God kind of woke me up in the, in the middle of the night, and he was sharing with me some of his thoughts about being healthy, talking about being a healthy believer, not only physically and mentally and financially and relationally, but as well spiritually. This idea of what really matters keeps on kind of rising to the top in my heart and knowing that when we looked at Scripture, what really matters and what was on God's heart was the kingdom of God. What God desires is to move and the kingdom of God related to our home and how we uh, interact at home and at work and at church and in our community. And each of us have a calling and a purpose. And the question is, is how are we spending our lives? How are we investing the time and our resources, the things that God has put uh, on each of our hearts? What really matters? What really matters is our spiritual health. What really matters is the impact that we will have here on earth. What really matters is our spiritual growth. And it's really summed up in a couple key words, people, souls, making disciples. What really matters is you, but not only you and those that are here, but think of the hundreds and thousands that are not in church this morning in this community. That's what matters, the souls and the the people. And I want you to know that there's a proven method for God and for God's people to experience his blessing and his favor. And I believe that each and every one of us can see growth, we can see impact individually, and we can see impact corporately as we look at a proven idea that is really uh, from God's heart for his people. There's a great uh, verse or a great chapter in the Bible that you're pretty familiar with, and I want to encourage you to flip there to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And, uh, and we normally read out of the New International Version, but this morning, just for a change, 
And uh, just because of the way that this story reads, um, I'm going to have my wife read the story of David and Goliath from the message. And I want you just to, if you have a Bible, follow along. You'll be able to follow along. If you don't, just close your eyes, listen to the story, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this idea of a proven way to know God's heart and God's will for our lives. 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Philistines drew up their troops for battle. They deployed them at Soko in Judah and set up camp between Soko and Azekah at Ephes Damim. Saul and the Israelites came together, camped at Oak Valley, and spread out their troops in battle readiness for the Philistines. The Philistines were on one hill, the Israelites on the opposing hill with the valley between them. A giant nearly 10 feet tall stepped out from the Philistine line into the open, Goliath from Gath. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was dressed in armor, 126 pounds of it. He wore bronze shin guards and carried a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail. The spear tip alone weighed over 15 pounds. His shield bearer walked ahead of him. Goliath stood there and called out to the Philistine troops, Why bother using your whole army? Am I not Philistine enough for you? And you're all committed to Saul, aren't you? So pick your best fighter and pit him against me. If he gets the upper hand and kills me, the Philistines will all become your slaves. But if I get the upper hand and kill him, you'll all become our slaves and serve us. I challenge the troops of Israel this day. Give me a man. Let us fight it out together. When Saul and his troops heard the Philistines' challenge, they were terrified and lost all hope. Enter David. He was the son of Jesse the Ephrathite from Bethlehem and Judah. Jesse, the father of eight sons, was himself too old to join Saul's army. Jesse's three older sons had followed Saul to war. The names of the three sons who had joined up with Saul were Eliab, the firstborn, next Abinadab, and third Shammah. David was the youngest son. While his three oldest brothers went to war with Saul, David went back and forth from attending to Saul to attending his father's sheep in Bethlehem. Each morning and evening for 40 days, Goliath took his stand and made his speech. One day, J Jesse told David his son, Take this sack of cracked wheat and these ten loaves of bread and run them down to your brothers in the camp, and take these ten wedges of cheese to the captain of their division. Check in on your brothers to see whether they are getting along all right, and let me know how they're doing, Saul and your brothers and all the Israelites in their war with the Philistines in the Oak Valley. David was up at the crack of dawn, and having arranged for someone to attend his flock, he took the food and was on his way, just as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the army was moving into battle formation, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines moved into position, facing each other, battle ready. David left his bundles of food in the care of a sentry, ran to the troops who were deployed, and greeted his brothers. While they were talking together, the Philistine champion, Goliath of Gath, stepped out from the front lines of the Philistines and gave his usual challenge. David heard him. The Israelites, to a man, fell back the moment they saw the giant, totally frightened. The talk among the, among the troops was, have you ever seen anything like this? This man openly and defiantly challenging Israel? The man who kills the giant will have it made. The king will give him a huge reward, offer his daughter as a bride, bride and give his entire family a free ride. Hmm. David, who was talking to the men standing around him, asked, what's in it for the man who kills that Philistine and gets rid of this ugly blot on Israel's honor? Who does he think he is anyway, this uncircumcised Philistine? taunting the armies of God alive. They told him what everyone was saying about what the king would do for the man who killed the Philistine. Eliab, his older brother, heard David 
fraternizing with the men and lost his temper. Hmm. What are you doing here? Why aren't you, why aren't you minding your own business, tending that scrawny flock of sheep? I know what you're up to. You've come down here to see the sights, hoping for a ringside seat at a bloody battle. What is it with you, replied David. All I did was ask a question. Ignoring his brother, he turned to someone else, asked the same question, and got the same answer as before. The things David was saying were picked up and reported to Saul. Saul sent for him. Master, said David, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. Saul answered David, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced. And he's been at this fighting business since before you were born. David said, I've been a shepherd tending sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down, and rescue the lamb. If it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wring its neck, and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And I'll do the same to this Philistine pig who's taunting the troops of God alive. God, who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear, will deliver me from this Philistine. Saul said, go, and God help you. Then Saul outfitted David as a soldier in armor. He put his bronze helmet on his head and belted his sword on him over the armor. David tried to walk, but he could hardly budge. David told, told Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this. And he took it all off. Then David took his shepherd's staff, selected five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in the pocket of his shepherd's pack. And with his sling in his hand, approached Goliath. Oh, no, I didn't turn myself on. Thanks, Jess. Jessica's like, you're not on. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, so David uh, is there, and he's like, what in the world's going on? And uh, he says, look, I will, I will go, and I'll fight this giant, right? And you've heard the story if you grew up in church, even if you didn't just think about it, this little scrawny uh, shepherd boy saying, hey, I'll go fight the giant. The odds were against David. But they said, hey, go ahead. You've killed a lion. You've killed a bear. We'll give you a shot. You go represent the, the armies of Israel. And they load him up with all this gear, gear that the fighting men were used to wearing. But David wasn't a fighting man. He wasn't used to the, you know, to the, to the armor and to the helmets and the boots. And, and read that part again, Jess. It says he didn't even know what to do. He said, I'd take all this stuff off. I read it real quick, just that top part. David told Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this. And he took it all off. All right. So he says, forget that. I can't do that. And what he says, he says, instead, he goes down to the river and picks up five smooth stones. You say, five smooth stones. What is he going to do with that? If we read on in the story, in which we're going to look at the story each week from a little different angle, he takes the story, or takes the, the, five, the five stones, and as you know, those five stones uh, were miraculous in the sense that he was able to take down the giant uh, with those stones, with a, with a single stone. But he chose, instead of being armored up, what in man's eye would have 
seemed like a logical solution. He chose what he knew in his armor or in his arsenal. He knew that it was proven that he was good with the slingshot. He picked a proven method to take down Goliath. Now, I don't know about you, but I like things that work, right? I like things that have been tested and that that you can kind of figure out. In school, um, I always enjoyed mathematics because I could figure it out, and you can double-check your work. And pretty much, at least in my experience, uh, if you uh, double-check your work and you get the answer frontwards and backwards, you get an A. And I was used to getting A's, and so I I felt like math, it made sense in my mind, and uh, it, it just clicked. Now, when I buy a car parts, now, Jason, you're a, you're a mechanic. Uh, and if, if, I wa- if I want to buy a, a set of brakes, I want to make sure that those brakes are going to work. <laughs> For my wife, in fact, our van needs some brakes right now, but uh, it, I want to make sure that they've been tested, tried, and true. How many of you guys take some sort of medicine on a regular basis or even on an occasion? All right. How many of you take uh, Tylenol or uh, Advil, ibuprofen? Would you want to take something that has never been tested? No. There are people that actually do take stuff and are guinea pigs, human guinea pigs. But I'm saying, no, let someone else do that. If it, I want to make sure that whatever I'm taking is not going to affect me in an adverse way. Now, I think that each of us, all of us, like a measure of certainty in our lives, a measure of when things are reliable, there's some assurance that comes when we, when things are tested. Now, some of us like more risk than others. That's not really what I'm talking about. But there are some things in life that are out of our control, things that we can't grasp, things that we can't guarantee, whether it's the gas prices or uh, you know, money in general, stocks and bonds, our relationships. Sometimes those things are, are slippery. Sometimes you think things are going well, and then all of a sudden there's you know, a red flag, and it's like, where did that come from? And uh, relationships can be tough. Work can be tough. You may be going along and think that you have, a, you have a maid, and all of a sudden you lose your job. You get a notice that they're laying off so many people in the company. And uh, there's a lot of things that are out of our control. And part of us would, would love a formula for each part of our lives that would guarantee success in life, a proven strategy. You know, I'm not sure if you've ever studied the, uh, the corporation McDonald's, but there's a proven uh, strategy within the corporation of McDonald's that if you are a franchise owner and you buy into the company, which is not, uh, not cheap to do, but if you buy in, you get a manual that they want you to follow to the letter. Right from the very beginning, from the way they construct the building, to the way they train their workers, to the type of grease they pour in, to the way that they advertise in that community. And they pretty much guarantee, it's a proven strategy, that if you follow the instructions, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way through, the owner of the franchise will make about $100,000 a year after everything is said and done. Not bad. Now, if you own two, it's $200,000. Three, four, five, you, make, you can do the math. It's a proven strategy, and they've worked it out over and over. The McDonald's method works. 
when they pick the right community, the right location, and they put all those factors together. Pretty interesting. Now, what's interesting is that when people come in and say, well, I can tweak this, or I can make it better, those are the McDonald's that flounder a little, from what I understand. And when they try to change the proven strategy. Now, when we're talking about what really matters in our lives, and we talk about having a proven strategy, what really matters is our spiritual growth in the people that are around us, souls, and the impact that we can have right where we are. And I believe that we cannot afford to leave our walk with God to chance. We can't just kind of cruise through life on, on autopilot and just expect things to be okay. There's a proven strategy that will result in our lives uh, with great health. A proven strategy from Scripture that results in spiritual maturity. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the miracle aspect of this uh, strategy. The excitement that comes and the true formula that it is uh, in the success that you and I can see in our lives. What's the key? The key is a heart for missions. We showed this missions video from Botswana and just the, the idea of the, these uh, church planters uh, going after it in Botswana, building up structures and, and doing great things. And a lot of times when we think missions, we think overseas. In fact, you know, in, in our uh, sanctuary here, we have flags from all over the world. But missions is just not foreign. It's what is in our hearts. It's, it, it can be what's in our hearts. It's right in our community, right, uh, right where we walk and where we talk on a daily basis. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that missions is a proven method to see God's favor and blessing in your life. A heart for missions is a sign of spiritual growth for you as a believer. And I believe that a heart for missions, that God is blessing that. He has, he is, and he always will bless a heart that is looking beyond themselves. And you say, well, why is that? Well, it's God's heart. John 3, 16 very familiar verse. Uh, most of us have this memorized. If you grew up in church, you had to memorize it to get out of first grade, right? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, right? Listen to verse 17 as well. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but instead to what? Do you know? to save the world, to reach the lost, to make a difference, to see an impact, but to save the world through him. Matthew 28, 19, go and reach the nations. Make disciples of all creatures, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why is a mission's heart so important? Well, I believe that there's a simple reason. When you have a mission's heart or when you cultivate that or pray, God, give me a heart of missions, what it does, it prevents an inward focus. How many would agree that our society is full of me, 
me, me. <laughs> Everywhere you look, it's about how can I get ahead? What can I do uh, for fun? Where is the entertainment for me? An inward focus. Our tendency is to turn inward. Individually, we can get caught up in our own stuff. We get caught up in, in the daily uh, you know, drag. Uh, we get caught up in our own family and maybe you know, keeping a nice lawn. Or we get caught up in our cars and our, in our toys. We get caught up in our success. Or we get caught up in education or whatever the case might be. And we end up, it's, it's, uh, our society it feeds that inward mentality. I know as pastors, it's, it's easy for, uh, to see the church as a means of support and a means of comfort. And I want you to know that in my heart, is, this is not for me. This, this is for God's glory. And I have to struggle with that, saying, okay, the church isn't there for me. I am there to serve, to give, and to be uh, an example. And then, boy, corporately, as a body of believers, we can become inward focused. We can just think about the person that we're sitting next to or the family that we know, and we can forget about the others outside of these four walls. I read that this week that church buildings can become a prison for a church, and it holds the people in. And boy, I don't think any of us want that. What God wants to do in our hearts is He wants us not to look inward, but to look out. I'm not sure if you've ever had an ingrown toenail. Um, I was thinking about showing you the one I've got right now. Not sure that's a good idea. But yeah, thanks. <laughs> All the lights go down. But if you've had an ingrown toenail, it hurts, right? It digs in and it, it can get infected. And to, in order to get rid of that ingrown toe <laughs> nail, you got to do some surgery, and uh, you got to you know cut at it. And uh, and and I don't recommend to do it at home. I did that one time, and Jessica said never again. And uh, but I'll tell you, they're nasty. They're unhealthy. And I think that the same thing is true for us if we become inward focused. If we're not concerned about reaching out, making a difference beyond ourselves, we are ingrown and it is unhealthy. And the reality is that in light of eternity, our homes and our jobs, our cars, our education, our freedom, our success, it's all nothing. You say, well, what, what matters? What matters is people. And the fact that on God's heart, he knows that every minute more than 100 people die in the world. Every day, 150,000 people or more slip into eternity and most lost forever. I think the, the uh, world population has uh, crested and, and uh, gone beyond 7 billion people at this point. And they estimate that Half are still waiting to hear the good news about Jesus. They, that good news has not reached them where they live. There's a missionary kid that's nine years old. Her name is Sherry Kaufman. She's a missionary kid in Latin America. 
And uh, we've got some nine-year-olds uh, at church here. My daughter's just 10, so I, this can you know, really set in, I can imagine. She came home after her first day of school, going back to school, and, and she just had a sad face. And her mom's like, man, that's not normal. Uh, Sherry's usually pretty upbeat. And, and so she says, hey, what's going on? How was your first day of school? Oh, I was fine. And her mom says, well, what's going on? And her daughter just said, man, there's so much work to do. And her mom's like, oh, yeah, you're nine years old now. You know, did they give you homework on your first day? And the daughter says, no, didn't get any homework. But mom, there's 19 kids in my class, and there's only two of us that are Christians. Wow. How many of us, when we, if we took a look, have that kind of missionary heart? To say, how many of us in our office are not saved? How many at school are not believers? How many of our neighbors don't have a relationship with God? How many in our city, how many in our families are away from the Lord? And the reality is, is that each and every one of us has a choice to take that kind of look into our hearts. Say, God, do I have a mission's heart? See, you can partner with a proven strategy and see great results in your life. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look like David picking up the stones out of the riverbed to take on Goliath. I believe as a church that we need to continue to pick up that stone of missions, knowing that the, there's great impact that comes when we do that, when we look outside of ourselves. In a few weeks in the bulletin, it mentions that I think it's June 7th that we are having a, a community outreach brainstorming session. What we're going to be doing is looking for smooth stones, ways to make an impact in our community. We've got an opportunity in Flint right around the corner to go and to make an impact in a city that has been just uh, devastated uh, in this economy and to be a light to serve, to, make a, to, make, to be a blessing, to make an impact. There's opportunities, others, opportunities that are going to come. And I believe there's students here that you're a couple weeks away from being out of school. And I'm praying that God would just put it in your heart that in these next couple weeks that you would be able to reach a friend or two, that they would know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is their Savior. When you look at yourself and, uh, and consider the way that you're growing spiritually, you may have come to a halt and just kind of like frustrated, saying, man, I'd love, I'd love to grow in the Lord, but you know, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying. One of the ingredients you may be missing is a mission's heart, opening your eyes to the possibilities to reach out beyond yourself. I want to challenge you this morning to take a look on the inside and say, man, is my heart all right? And the reality is that we all have a choice to have this kind of heart for missions. And I want us as a body of believers to know that 
God is still blessing missions, reaching out beyond ourselves. There are so many verses that we're going to look at over the next few weeks that deal with giving out beyond ourselves, making a sacrifice, but then there's blessing that comes with it. But the greatest impact is when a soul is saved, when one life is changed, and when, when God is using us beyond ourselves to, to make an impact. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. As we consider this idea of a proven method for spiritual growth in our, in our lives, I want you to take a deep, strong look at what your heart looks like. Have you thought about your neighbors and the lostness that may be a reality in their lives? Have you considered your coworkers or the ones that are working for you at your business? That they're more than just employees, they're more than just coworkers, but that's your mission field? Have you considered your family member that is away from the Lord? We have an incredible responsibility to reach out, to make an, a difference. And the, the sad fact is, is that the Bible says that there are, the, the, uh, the harvest is plentiful. It's all around us, but the laborers are few. And this morning, God is looking for laborers to stand up and to say, God, I want a mission's heart. I want to see people the way that you see people. I want to make a difference. I don't want to just go through life without uh, making a difference in someone else's life to reach out beyond myself. This morning, you may be here and you may be away from the Lord. I just want to say that in a moment, I'm going to give an opportunity for you to respond, to participate in a miracle prayer that takes away your sins, cleanses your heart, and that's only made possible by Jesus and the sacrifice he made for us on the cross. Another moment after that, we're going to look at ourselves and to take a, a look. And if you were honest and would recognize that, man, you've been pretty inward focused in life, I'm going to ask that you would just pray a simple prayer as well, asking God to change the way that you look at things. And then together, we're going to pray that we, as a body of believers, would be growing, we'd be maturing, and that we together, that our heart for missions would continue to grow. God blesses a mission's heart. I believe that with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. This morning, that first question is, are you a believer? 
Have you asked Jesus into your heart to be your Savior? If you're here this morning and you've never done that, or maybe it's been a long time since you've committed your heart to the Lord, I want you just to slip your hand up right where you are. We want to pray for you. If that's you this morning, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart, you're saying, man, I need to know for sure that Jesus is my Savior. I want you to slip up your hand right where you are. Anyone at all? Say, yeah, that's me. God, forgive me. Take one more second, just looking across, and slip up your hand so I can see. Say, man, that's me. Pray for me. Jesus, I want you to be the Savior of my life. All right. Thank you, Lord. The reality is that it's easy to look inward. The struggle for many of us is to get beyond ourselves and to, to start to see life the way God would have us see it. If you're here this morning and just in a moment of honesty, let's say, Pastor, pray for me so I can look outward that my heart for missions would increase. Yeah, just slip up your hand. Thanks. Yeah, good. Yeah, thanks. You say, man, if I was honest, I, my heart hasn't necessarily gone there first thing. And in light of eternity, that's the only thing that matters. God, work on my heart. Give me a heart after you. Just slip up your heart. Just slip up your hand this morning. Yeah. Good. Good. I want to pray for you. Father, this morning, we are asking for you to do a miracle in our lives. Lord, first, I want to pray for those that may be away from you, Lord. God, that you are, as you pursue them, and Lord, your heart is that no one would perish. No one would slip into eternity without a relationship with you. And God, I pray that if there are those here that haven't given their hearts, God, that they would surrender and they would give their hearts to you. Even today, God, I pray. And Lord, I pray for us individual, individually, God, that you would put your hand upon us. And God, that you would impart into us a heart to reach out, to not be inward focused, God, but instead to be reaching out beyond ourselves. Lord, that provides a healthy uh, uh, atmosphere for growth and for spiritual maturity. And God, I just pray that you would just impart that into each and every person here. God, I pray that we would not forget, God, that what's most important in this world are the people around us and the people that we can touch, the people that are slipping into eternity without knowing you, and half of the world potentially not even knowing your name. God, help us to be mindful of just that. And God will give you the praise and all the glory. And finally, God, I pray that as a church, God, that we would raise up and Lord, that we would see your hand upon us. And God, we know that 
you bless missions. Lord, we see that throughout Scripture, and we'll take a look over the next few weeks at that. But Lord, we can, uh, we can share testimony in our own lives of the way that you've reached and you've made an impact. And Lord, that you have provided supernaturally as we have given. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us as a body. Open our eyes in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I want you to stand right where you are. And I want you to take a moment. Uh, and I want you to... I want you to do two things. I want you, before you leave, I want you, first of all, to ask the person that you're sitting next to, have you made a commitment to the Lord? Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? Okay? And if the answer is yes, then just bless them and go on. If it's not, I want to provide an opportunity for a second wave of, uh, that you could come and we can pray with you and, uh, and we would love to do that. But the second thing I want you to ask is, have you considered going to Flint with the church, all right? And uh, just have you considered it? And if it's a yes and no, if they haven't considered it, uh, say, hey, let's consider it. There's a sign-up in the lobby. We need you to sign up so we know how to be preparing. And uh, we'd love for you to join us. And other than that, go in the grace of God and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Enjoy the weather. God bless you. Thanks for being here this morning. Amen.